Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Turn up your volume, because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast, The Eye Test, with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy. The Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche, and after 22 years, Raymond The Sickest NHL Podcast, it's gonna be sick. And welcome to another edition of the Eye Test here on the Sick Podcast Network. I'm Jimmy Murphy. He's Pierre McGuire. We've got another great episode in store for you. Joining us shortly will be former NHLer and now NHL analyst. You see him on Sportsnet and TNT. He's all over the place these days. And that's Colby Armstrong. Will be joining us here on the Eye Test shortly. We'll talk about plenty of things. Obviously, the trade deadline a week from tomorrow. So plenty to talk about there. Uh, but Pierre, how are you today? I'm excellent, Jimmy. I'm in downtown Montreal. How are you doing there in Boston? I'm battling through a little something, but I am good. I'm on the, uh, the I've got my win now. My my sales are good. So ready to go here in the eye test. You need to start eating more factor meals. I was just going to say that, Pierre. I need to, you know, and also they give us, so let's tell everybody about factor here, but there's the little energy drinks and healthy uh, shots that they give there. Let's uh, Let's tell them about factor right now. Uh, factors, delicious, ready to eat meals, make eating better every day. Easy wherever tomorrow takes you be ready with prepared or pre-prepared chef crafted and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 options a week to choose from, including Cato calorie, smart, vegan, plus veggie and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of ready-to-go meals. Two-minute meals fuel up fast with Factors restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. And then they've also got snacks, smoothies, and more. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, breakfast, midday, dinner, what have you. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. And we've already vouched for that, Pierre. Mm-hmm. Uh, flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule deliveries anytime. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Go over right now and head to factormeals.com slash itest50 and use the promo code itest50 to get 50% off. That's itest50 at factormeals.com slash itest50 
for 50% off. And Pierre, your wife has already vouched for them. And uh, I trust her. I trust her. Well, yeah, so do I. Trust me on that. Um, <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't wait to get back to Boston. We'll be back in Boston late Saturday night uh, after doing a bunch of different colleges over the weekend. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to having my first factor meal on Sunday. Exactly. Kick back, watch some hockey and enjoy. Uh, Pierre, a trade last night, uh, obviously yep. everyone talking about right now, uh, the Calgary Flames finally do trade defenseman Chris Tanoff and goalie prospect Cole Brady. Excuse me. The Stars acquired Chris Tanoff and goalie prospect Cole Brady in a three-team trade with the Flames and Jersey Devils. The Flames also received defenseman prospect Artem Grishnikov. We'll get to that in a bit. And Dallas's second rounder in the 2024 draft and the conditional third round pick in the 2026 draft. The New Jersey Devils get the Dallas's fourth round pick in 2026. Pierre, what's your take on that? Were you surprised at the price, uh, at the cost? Did you think it would be higher, lower? What was your take? No, I think the price is decent. It depends on how Grishnikov does when he gets to the National Hockey League, Jimmy. The second-round pick is probably on board for where Chris Tanev should be at this stage of his career. The one thing that's interesting, Tanev's a real good elite shutdown guy, and he's had a lot of good years breaking in offensive defensemen in the league. Miro Haskinen is a tremendous offensive defenseman, obviously logs huge minutes. Um, I've got to believe that they're going to move Thomas Harley down in the lineup. They're going to move Tanev in. Uh, they're going to move uh, you know, players around, obviously. But to me, the biggest thing is getting guys on the right side and their left side, that's going to make Dallas better. Yeah. Uh, and with Haskin, and they can move him now from the right side back to the left side where I think he's better. Tanev, his better days were with Quinn Hughes uh, breaking him in in Vancouver. He did a phenomenal job doing that. Uh, if you look at Tanev's record over the course of his entire NHL body of work, mm-hmm. he's only been a minus player once. One time in his whole career, mm-hmm. he's I think he's a plus 116 for a career. Wow, it, it's an amazing play, it's an amazing record. Yeah, he's a really yep. good player, he's the best player ever out of RIT Rochester Institute of Technology. He but he is he is a tremendous player, he's a huge character guy. He will help Dallas. And remember what we talked about, Jimmy. Whomever makes the best trade going into the deadline because it's so tight, especially in the West they probably give themselves a little bit of an advantage mm-hmm. towards where they want to go, and that's obviously the Stanley Cup final. Um, I think Tanev is a really big shot across the bow to Colorado. I think it's a big shot across the bow to Edmonton. I think it's a huge shot across the bow to whomever else thinks they're a legitimate contender in the West. Yep, his yep. old team, Vancouver, as well. well they've already, so, But they've already done their stuff, you know. Yeah. The door off went in there. Elias Lindholm went in there. Like they've done their stuff, and they did a lot of their stuff before the season. As, yeah, that's a true. You know, that's like true. Casey Dismiss, Sam Lafferty. You start uh, looking at all the bodies they brought in in the off season. So From Vancouver kind of did their stuff. <laughs> yeah, Pittsburgh you know West, I mean? as you call them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm just saying, now Dallas has moved. What's Colorado going to do? And what's what's Edmonton going to do? Yep. Yeah. No. You know. It's, it's going to be – what is Winnipeg going to do anything? They already yeah. went out and got Sean Monaghan. Now, Monaghan's been ill the last few games, but he was starting to heat up, Jimmy. He was. He was. He was, starting he was. Do they need to do one more, Winnipeg? I think so. You know, so this is going to be interesting. Yeah. I think they need a defenseman. 
I guess too, though, Pierre, like a lot of people had it almost a certainty that Tanif was going to grab uh, Calgary a first round pick. You and I were never in that boat. Um, no. You know, and the guys at the, he's, he's still great and he's going to help that team tremendously, mm-hmm. but he's also an impending UFA. Age is a factor, a lot of wear and tear in that body. Um, so, you know, I, I didn't see it happening. And now people are still trying to say that David Savard in Montreal, he had a first round. I just don't see it. Or Joel Edmondson. I think yeah. this has, has made it clear to GMs that if you've got a guy like that, like a Savard, like an Edmondson, or you had a guy like a Tanev, uh, you're looking at a second rounder and prospects. Uh, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't mean that the player's not as good as we think he is. He's going to help. He's a serviceable guy. He's going to be huge for them physically. Um, but that's just the way it goes right now. And like, I think the market took a little curve that people weren't expecting. I was with you all along. I didn't think it was a first rounder, but I see a lot of people right now really stunned and saying that Craig Conroy uh, got screwed over in this deal. You don't know that. We have no idea. We won't know that for another five years. Yes, I agree. I'm just yeah. telling our guest, Colby Armstrong, that he can join us now. So, okay, yeah. good. So I just, okay. I texted him and I'm just texting him back. <laughs> so I, I sent him a link, so he'll, he'll join in soon. Um, but I look at, you know, I want to talk about just quickly here before we get, and we can continue with Colby. I don't care. Um, David Savard is, is a guy that interests me. And the biggest thing that interests me about him that is so valuable at this time of year is he's got a Stanley Cup ring. And that can't be undervalued. It can't be underscored. It is huge to have that because he knows what it takes to win at this time of year. And I look at some of the teams that might be interested in Pierre. You know, it's interesting. I don't know why I just keep coming back to the team he won a cup with. And I just wonder if they can't get a Hannafin or they can't get a, a you know, a, a number one or number two guy, do they bring back a familiar face that they won with? He's got experience. He's got grit. He knows the dressing room. I, I see a good fit there if uh, if Tampa's interested. Well, first of all, one of the reasons why Savard is valuable outside of Tampa around the league is because he was in Tampa. Exactly. The standards that have been created in Tampa are world class. And so he had a chance to leave Columbus, go to Tampa, and learn from those guys. And it makes a difference, Jimmy. It makes yeah. a big difference. When you hang with guys like Steven Stamkos and you hang with guys like Vasilevsky and you hang with guys like Ryan McDonough. So look at the value. I'll, I'll just present this to back my case. Yep. Look when Barkley Kudrow became available, how many people wanted him. Yep. Look at Blake Coleman, how many people wanted mm-hmm. Blake after he left Tampa. Look at Yanni Gordon, what he's done to help Seattle. Mm-hmm. Look at uh, Alex Kalorn and how many teams wanted to buy Alex Kalorn after – three straight trips to the final and two Stanley Cups. So what happens is when you hang with guys like the Tampa Bay Lightning have, teams recognize you learn Mm -hmm. when you're hanging with those guys, and it makes a difference. And that's part of why I think Savard's got value. I personally would not pay a first-round pick to get him. I would not. But would I want him on my team, especially if I think my team's good and has a chance to win in the playoffs? The answer is yes, I would. Yeah, and another team that I would keep an eye on with him as well, Pierre, or just defensemen in general, veteran defensemen like that, guy, depth guys, bringing leadership, bringing some snarl, is the Detroit Red Wings. Um, and, you know, Pierre, I think people have, have really, ever since I think last week, if they hadn't realized, we knew all along, we've been talking about it for a while, but yeah. I think the league as a whole 
the fans, a lot of the media that maybe is hyper-focused on their own team in their own city, yeah. maybe wasn't realizing that the Red Wings have arrived. And I think Stevie Eisman is definitely a guy to watch over the next week. Well, he knows it's for real. You know, I talked to their head of scouting last week, Chris Draper. He was over in Norway working the oh, roads. Cool. I mean, he's a guy that's always pounding the pavement. He, yeah. he, you know, everybody talks about Stevie, and they should. Stevie's done a magnificent job there. He's hats off to him. And and uh, the thing about Detroit that's so impressive, the scouting department continually, whether it's Chris Draper, or Hawk and Anderson continually finds players for this team and, and they're stocked down in Grand Rapids. Um, they've got guys filtering through their organization. They've got a really good goalie prospect at Colgate in Carter Guylander, who I know I spent a lot of time around the Red mm -hmm. Wings and they send people in all the time to watch him. I, I think they're really progressing unbelievably, but here's the thing, Jimmy, and you know, people again, don't always watch the schedule. Tonight's a put up or shut up game for oh, both yeah. teams. The Islanders are in Detroit. The Islanders want to make the playoffs. They're winning tonight. Detroit wants to continue to have this aura about them, which I believe they've earned. They're going to put the boots to the Islanders tonight. So this is – like I know probably a lot of people aren't looking at this saying this is a must-watch game, but I'm going to be watching that game. And I'm going to be watching Montreal and Florida for different reasons. But those are games early on tonight that I'm going to be watching. Then late night, obviously – Pittsburgh and Seattle is a massive game for both those teams, Jimmy. Massive for both those teams. Yeah, I'm with you too. And in, in sort of the middle central time range games there, you've got some good ones as well. Like you said, Jet Stars, Wild Predators. Uh, is, you're right. There's a lot of put-up-or-shut-up games tonight. You bring up the Kings there too. Pierre, that's another team. you got, you got to wonder, like, what is the last month done in terms of how Rob Blake views his team and if he should go all in or close to all in uh, heading into the deadline. I wonder how much that's affected it. Has he kind of changed course a bit? We'll see. But the one thing they got to get, and, and we keep saying it here, is goaltending. Really need goaltending. I would agree. I would agree. Now, look, it's easier said than done. I think mm -hmm. they thought they made their goaltending moves last summer. Uh, obviously injuries set back some of that planning yeah. with Phoenix Copley in particular going out for the season. But uh, no, it's a, it's an interesting time of the year. What's really cool about having Colby Armstrong today, by the way, mm -hmm. he was involved in a massive trade deadline trade That's going right. from Pittsburgh to Atlanta. And there are not a lot of guys that can say they were part of a deal for a future Hall of Famer. And Colby was in a massive package that ended up bringing Marion Hosa in 2008 back to uh, Pittsburgh. That's so I, right. I think Colby's ready to go. Like I yeah, do. let's I bring just, him on to talk about that. Uh, a lot of things about the NHL trade deadline. Joining us right now, Colby Armstrong here on the eye test on the Sick Podcast Network with Pierre McGuire and myself. Colby, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, good, good, good to be here, uh, Pierre, Jimmy. Thanks for having me on. I'm in my uh, my uh, podcast cave right now. I got this all decked out. As I see, you I got like a nice that. background there, Jimmy. Yeah, Pierre, Pierre, you got some work to do, brother. You know, you got to get the background all all spiffed up. I got a painter in here. He did this for me. Look how good that looks. It's unbelievable. Wow. Look, look at this. Look at this. I'm flying on an eagle carrying a Saskatchewan flag with my Penguins outdoor jersey on from the Winter Classic, the very first. I love week. it. Isn't that unbelievable? Look at that. I love it, Pierre. That's, and that's elite. A it's elite. So the one thing I'll tell Colby is, is that I can't wait to see him in Pittsburgh at Maryland Muse Fantasy Camp, number one. That's right. Uh -huh. Num number two, what was it like 
to be traded for a future Hall of Famer because you yeah. were. Yeah, it was it was it was something else. And he was obviously, um, you know, he I think he had gloves the day before it got rumored that he had gloves all made up. Someone caught an eye of it. And if you could imagine it coming from this place, Montreal, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Someone because the Thrashers were in Montreal the day before or the night of the deadline. And I think they played there. So they were away. I was in Long Island when I got traded, but there had been rumors. And this is pre, you know, internet stuff kind of, but it uh, reported somehow came out that, you know, he had Montreal Canadiens gloves with his name on them, uh, did Hosa. So that was kind of the thing when he was in Montreal, he'd potentially end up there. Um, But yeah, come to find out, I was taking a pregame nap about to play the Islanders that night and and woke up to... um, Funny enough, a tech a call from my mom. My mom called me uh, to oh, tell wow. me I got traded. She saw it on TV. Uh, so maybe it was Pierre that uh, gave the news. But <laughs> one way or another, I found out on the road. Yeah, and and to hear, you know, being a part of a trade like that with the the Penguins. Obviously, we knew where they were. Tr- their trajectory was going. Mm-hmm. Um, we were a good team, and we had a good group of guys. And uh, obviously, Crosby and Malkin and Stall and Flurry. You could go on and on down the list of uh years of greatness um you know that could be so that was that was big that was that was you know crazy to be involved especially pierre yeah with a player like hosa and and what he had been through his career up until that point especially and obviously everyone knowing what what he was going to be when it was all said and done yeah good stuff kobe what is that like i mean for a player around this time of year we were talking to jake debrusque here yesterday and you know, he, he DeBrusque just is honest as they come, sometimes to a fault. And he's flat out just said, yeah, it's it's in my head. It's like, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm thinking about it. But, you know, the usual answer we get until after a guy retires probably is, no, that, you know, that's out of my control. I'm not going to think about that, blah, blah, blah. What is it really like, yeah. though, for a player this time of year, especially when you start to see your name? And now, as you mentioned, you didn't really have uh, social media going yeah, for force then. Now I can't even imagine it with well, social media. You know? Yeah, it would, be, it would be crazy. It's just as easy to say anything, and it could be from anyone to put your at arm dog at the end of it, right? It's it's <laughs> it's so easy to get in someone's uh, mind or get it in front of their face if something's buzzing out there. I, I couldn't imagine now. It's probably um, you know pretty hectic. I think if your name is is being bandied about about you know possibilities mm-hmm. that you 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 can keep it out of your face. It's literally nowadays. It's- pretty yeah. much impossible. So um, I imagine that heightens the, uh, you know, you know, the kind of anxiety that you would kind of get when I got traded, I was, you know, call me stupid and I've been called worse, but I, I, I had no clue that I was, that that would possibly happen. I was in, I was just in La La Land, like playing my season in a great spot. I loved it. I loved it a lot. Like it crushed me when I got traded, I was crushed. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was hard to, it took me a while to get over that. Even playing for the thrashers, I was still pretty upset. Um, and, and, you know, I got some, I don't know why it hit home. I got some words of advice, funny enough, during Uh the middle of a game from Bill Guerin, who ended up being a penguin and winning a Stanley cup later. He was with the Islanders with Doug Waite, two great veteran guys and great Mm -hmm. careers. And, um, off a of face off, he came up to me and I, I don't know, maybe I'd look sad, <laughs> but I think he understood like, you know, going from the penguins to the thrashers <laughs> yeah, through his yeah. career and what that looks like and feels like possibly. So he said to me, he said, you know what, kid, don't worry about it. The first one's always the toughest. And I, I don't know why that kind of wow. like 
at that time it was in Atlanta in a game in Atlanta. And at the time it was like, it like hit home for me that I was like, okay, like wake up kids, snap out of it. Like this is a business. Like you got to buckle down and just Mm -hmm. start playing. And, you know, I never got traded in junior. Um, I made it through a bunch of years in the minors. I cleared waivers once. Um, but I, I'd never been traded. I've been part of guys that got traded and, um, in junior and stuff, but never to the point where it like super affected me. Like I was sad and stuff when I lost buddies, but, um, yeah. And, and, but what, that was just so nice of them to do. And I, I I made a point of chatting with him after the game. Now I know him pretty good and stay in touch with him a bit here and there just because of his ties to Pittsburgh and working here after post-career. But I just thought that was such a cool thing for a guy on the other team and a guy like Bill Guerin and Doug Waite too, after the game came over and said hi to me and talked to me and stuff, just like great guys, amazing guys, middle of a game to do that. And that's kind of what sparked me though, that like, okay, kick, kick myself in the ass a little bit, like wake up here. Like this is business. Like you got to get going. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. We had Billy Guerin on the eye test uh, back. So good, good guy. Hey, Colby, you know, one of the things you are never good enough about pumping your own tires, you were the captain of a Memorial Cup winning team in Red Deer, and you played for one of my better friends, Brent Sutter. What was that experience like playing for Brent and being the captain of a Memorial Cup winning team? Yeah, Jim Vandermeer. Jim Vandermeer was the captain the year we won. I was the next year. We should have won, but thank you for thinking about that. My apologies. Thank you. we were good enough the next year to win too. Pissed me off. A uh, Kootenai Ice beat us in like four overtime games. Duncan Milroy sunk us beating Cam Ward. Yeah, we had some yeah. good teams there, didn't we, Pierre? You did um, really good, really good. Yeah, Brent was yeah. awesome. Brent, Brent was uh, he was stern. He was tough. Um, you know, he was detailed. He was, um, you know, there was a level of expectation with your game and where it had to be. Um, my first year in the league, we had, I think eight 16 year olds or rookies. Um, and a lot of guys that were all drafted later on in the top two rounds. We had a ton of guys off that Memorial cup team that were drafted that year, but we all kind of came in together and he, you know, taught us how to play pro hockey and, um, day to day practice to practice and, um, you know, what it was like to be, you know, on a team, care for your teammate, like no other, like he instilled that in us. Like we were pack of wolves. He always called it be like a pack of wolves. And it's a, it's an old saying in hockey, but man, we were like that. And we had teams, Pierre, and you know, like we could, we could play any way you wanted. Like we could, we could, we could beat you seven, six, which I think was a score in the Memorial cup final against Val Dor and Brandon Reed. And uh, Simone Gamache and some of these hundred and some mm-hmm. point guys they had that was, I, I never saw guys like this that could put up points like this. I was like, yeah. we're in the Western league here. We don't do that yeah. out there. Like you get over a hundred <laughs> points, you're a legend, but it was, uh, we were able to play those kinds of games, but also if you wanted to go two one and, and, you know, make it rough and tumble, um, we were conditioned enough that we could, you know, play it in your face style of game. And it, it helped mold me and get me ready to, you know, I think I, I had a willingness to want to, do that play a certain game but you know under him and junior and and you know defensive aspect of the game and um i think really helped me survive you know through pro ranks because i could uh play on the first line i could play on the second line i could play on the third line i ended up i could do some shifts wherever you needed it and uh kill penalties and play power play he kind of booted us around all over the place but he put a, like a system inside individuals that mm-hmm. allowed you to be able and be ready 
to, to do whatever role or job you had. And I, I'm forever thankful. You know, you look back on, on time, um, you know, I could be, you know, today guys would be pissed if they're in the minors for three and a half years. But, um, you know, at the time I thought I was, you know, going to the KHL possibly clearing waivers, but I look back on it now that I'm done and I'm like, I wasn't ready. Like I needed, I was, I was a late bloomer a little bit first round pick, but I was skinny. I was small. I was, I, I needed to work on like the, the wall game a little bit on, chi- on breakouts. I had all this stuff. I had Mike Yo there, Michelle Terrian was there and he was kind of like Sutsy in a way where it was very demanding and, um, you have to be a certain way. So Sutsy got me ready. Brent Sutter got us ready, got me ready for all of that. Um, you know, taking the next steps and, and being able to kind of deal with stuff and, and believe in what I did. And, you know, you have to have that once you get to pro hockey. Jimmy, before you get going, I want to ask Colby because I've spent time with him in Saskatoon and I've spent a lot of time in the province of Saskatchewan, obviously uh, recruiting players and evaluating players, whether it was in the Crush Cannon Moose Jaw or up in Saskatoon in your backyard or, you know, in Wilcox at Notre Dame or in North Battleford or in Yorkton. I've seen a few places, Weyburn, Estevan. So anyways, why is it that Saskatchewan hockey players are so tough? (laughs) I don't know. That's a good question. And don't get me going. Like I, I, I brag about it all the time about, especially like Western Canadian, Western hockey players. Um, you know, look at the league right now, look at all the, you know, the fireworks we're getting Ridley Gregg and Morgan Riley with the whole slap shot cross check incident. We've got Matt Rempe stepping on the scene and cannonballing his way into the NHL. (laughs) Um, we got Stankoven who just came up, who was a great Western hockey league world junior player and is coming to the NHL and started ripping it up. So I think we need more of them. Uh, Saskatchewan. I don't know. I think it's just, it's just a way of, um, it's just an expectation of a way to play hockey. And, you know, I, I, I was lucky enough to grow up in, in Saskatoon where hockey is highly accessible. You can play on any outdoor rink or mm-hmm. um, we got a little like man-made lake in my neighborhood kind of thing with walking trails around it. But, oh, wow. you know, someone's out there, shovels it off and kids are skating out there all the time. Um, and, you know, you just grew up and that was like the expected culture, I think, of hockey there. If you look at senior hockey right now, too, they're in the playoffs, I believe, in mm-hmm. Saskatchewan. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. you're getting some crazy clips coming out of that league. Like, well, these guys got to go to yeah. work tomorrow, but it's just the way they do it. <laughs> it's just the way they roll in Sask, Pierre, right? So, oh. um, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Luke and Braden Shen grew up, uh, you know, a block away from me. I was a little yep. older than them, obviously, but uh, we had the De Silva brothers who both played junior, Dan. Um, played pro hockey. He's now the assistant coach of the Saskatoon Blades. Uh, we just had Jared Stoll moved in from Yorkton to high school with me, oh, cool. um, and I got to hang out, work out with him. You, this guy was this guy was uh, you know in in high school. He was built like a man, and he was strong, yeah. and he had like he was dedicated, and he was ripping up midget AAA at the time with the Saskatoon Blazers, where I was going to hopefully play later. He was 15 years old, like destroying the league. Um, <laughs> It, it so we had we just had it around us i think the coaching i think the expectation is just that's how hockey's played and hey, don't uh, forget you know. brendan morrow yeah brendan oh, yeah. Morrow. Brendan morrow. yeah all those yeah. guys come back here I, kelly chase used to put on a, a put on a great fantasy camp and mm. um you know all those guys are back there and and you know come in for, and i used to watch them skate i was they let me skate with them pierre when i was like <laughs> 14 years old i was wow. like rich pilon <laughs> brian scrudlin mick vakoda trent mccleary like i um uh rhett warner um 
I got a great story about Rhett Warner. It was kind of crazy. Marty Urat, who was a Saskatoon Blade, who oh, ended up 100%. playing with us. We yeah, traded yeah. for him when we won the Memorial Cup, and he's one of the bigger trades with uh, with Forsberg now in, in Nashville. That was kind of the big NHL trade. But we, we he he just landed on the airplane to come play for the Blades. It was his first day in Canada, and they brought him out with us too. And Rhett Warner caught him coming across the middle on like a two-on-two line rush drill. Our practices were like high tempo. Dave Struish ran these great Excel. Bobby Braybrook, another name I got to shout out, um, yeah. that ran some great skates for all these pros and let some of us come out. And Rhett Warner caught him coming across like Scott Stevens style and buckled him, like put him to sleep. Oh, wow. I was just like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Canada, Marty. Way to go. Get ready for junior. And he turned out pretty darn good. Yeah, he was one of our best players on our Red Deer Memorial Cup team when we got he him was. from Saskatoon. He was unbelievable uh, next year playing in the NHL. So, um, yeah, it was, it, it, was, it was great back there. Just so many guys that come back. And there's so many little places, too, Pierre, as you just rattled them off before that, you know, you say, where are you from? And they'll say Saskatoon, but, you know, Braden McNabb's from Davidson and yeah. uh, all these guys are from these like little surrounding communities that are, you know, okay, little towns. They're get buzzing with the curling rink and the hockey rink in the winter. Yeah. <laughs> it gets crazy. That's a place to go drink at night, but uh, <laughs> they all say they're from Saskatoon, you know? So it's, 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 it's interesting growing up like that and, and, and right. growing up playing there against a lot of these guys that uh, Pierre, you'd had to go, scrounge across some of these places to find these guys but yep. that's what oh, you had yeah, to do. Yeah. and it was well worth it colby i gotta tell you i never got disappointed i remember we took a guy when i was coaching in pittsburgh we took a guy by the name of paul dick from moose jaw um who was a tremendous player um defenseman and i want to say he played 12 or 13 years of professional hockey now it wasn't always in the nhl or you know in north america but he had an amazing career mm -hmm. And I just, you know, back then it was a 12-round draft. I think we got him in the 11th round. And I remember going into the crush can in Moose Jaw, and it was so cold one night. It was, oh, yeah. <laughs> it was really cold. And the guy goes, where are you going? I see the Zamboni driver. And he goes, where are you going after the game? I said, um, I'm going to go back to Regina. And then the next day I'm going to Humboldt. He said to yeah. me, make sure you have gas in your car because if you turn it off, you're never going to start it again. So you're going to have to leave it running the whole night yeah. when you're up at Humboldt. Wow. And I did. I left the car running. Yeah, you got to plug it in, man. You got to get that thing plugged in out there. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> that, the, the crush can, there's a throwback. Rest oh, in yeah. peace to the crush can in, uh, in Moose Jaw. I remember like playing junior hockey and coming off the ice, and they'd have the whole – they'd have the around the rink, like a youth hockey game, like standing room around the boards. Uh -huh. And like you have to walk through their fans to go to your room, and Jeez. we had some crazy altercations at times. It was it was nuts. It's just the way it was set up. You come out from underneath the steep bleachers and walk onto the ice, That's and great. right through all the fans. None of the none of the things they have now, where they slide it out with protection. Yeah. I'm sure they they have that everywhere now. But um, yeah, I, I miss I, I I loved I loved growing up in Saskatchewan and all these go to every little town and they've got a rank. And my mom. Pierre taught figure skating out in Humboldt for a lot of years. So she'd drive out there all the time and back and forth from Saskatoon, but their rink was so sweet for the little town. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and every town has that. So we're all pretty lucky. And you know, there's lots of stories of guys that just kind of get the keys of the rink or can go whenever because no one's using the ice. And, um, <laughs> you know, tough. I guess that's just kind of the blessed hockey living in Saskatchewan. Beautiful, beautiful. We got to cue that song from Slapshot right now. We'll be south of Saskatoon, right? Exactly. <laughs>
Um, Colby, talk to us. What's it been like for you to transition into broadcasting? Uh, you keep doing a lot more now. I see you on Spitting Chicklets. I see you on TNT Sports. Yeah. What's it been like for you? Uh, it's been crazy. And and yeah, as soon as I quit playing, I, I my mom has always kind of nudged me in this direction. She's like, you'd be good at this. And of course, you never think about it when you're playing. Um, my agent, Don Meehan and Craig Oster at the time were, were talking to me about the same thing of potentially mm-hmm. doing that. And right when I stopped playing, I, I didn't like really take a year off. I just started, got in there right away. Sportsnet had just gotten that big um, rights deal uh, at that time. And it was their first year of that. So they're trying to sort out things. And um, I got in there somehow. I flew myself to Toronto, got a ticket um with help from my agent at the time and and lined up a meeting with rogers and and went went out there on my own and went for a lunch quickly and introduced myself and talked about you know what i'd like to do and um it started off slow like uh, and it was it was a lot to get used to i no broadcaster training didn't go to school for this so it was it's been it's took a lot of work but i've gotten to work with some fantastic people some you know brilliant people that are really awesome at what they do with tons of insight and um, have the producers, the behind the scenes people are amazing that, um, you know, help you out as well. And so, and I've, I've, I've been able, I think the biggest thing and Parapol, I tell you this too, but I, I've, I've always just kind of been able and open and never said no to doing anything like radio to TV, to interviewing yep. people, to podcasts, um, I, I, and, um, you know, features, all that kind of stuff. Whenever they needed me, I was, I was like, okay, I'll do it. And so I've gotten like a wealth of experience in a lot of different areas yeah. of media and broadcasting, which is, I think helped me. And my only goal was like to get better every show or to get better year to year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's crazy now just with the internet and podcasts as well. And, um, doing stuff like this, how big it is and how, how often people really tune in and, 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 yeah. you know, you kind of find your, your fans or people that are into like what you're doing and, uh, you uh-huh. get your following or your community, uh, and and it and it's um, it keeps you it can keep you pretty busy. But uh, this year, I've just been it's been crazy. It's just uh, it's busy as I, I've never been this busy. And travel, <laughs> uh, the travel's been a lot more. And uh, yeah, so it's it's been a lot to balance. But I'm I'm making it work. The last month or so has been like super grind. But maybe that's uh-huh. just because of where we're at in the season. But yeah. I'm having a blast. Like I could be digging ditches back in Saskatoon. Instead, I get to <laughs> talk about the best game and the best league in the world and, um, you know, get to do some things with some of my friends that I played with for a bunch of years. And, uh, you know, so it's great being in the hockey community still and, and being yeah. able to, you know, see these guys like Pierre at Mario's camp and hang out with all these guys. And you're kind of still in the fold a little bit. It, mm-hmm. It's it's pretty nice, pretty amazing what what this game does for people. I, I would never imagine hanging guy out like with guys. <laughs> Sorry, Jimmy, but speaking of hanging out with guys, it's no secret you and Sidney Crosby are really good friends. Yeah, and I know him very well, as you know. Why don't you tell people something about Sid that nobody else would know? Yeah, I, I think some people may have heard this. I, I, I don't know if they have, but I, I think he's like he's really big into history. Like he's a history guy. He watches a ton of documentaries, movies, read books. He'll go visit certain places. I know his summers are are, you know, he'll he'll go check out certain historic sites and stuff that he's that he's into. And um, but yeah, he's he's in world wars and all those world war one, world war two. I know he's really big into that stuff and 
you know, that, I think that is an interest of his, no question. It's like a hobby to kind mm-hmm. of, you know, figure out and follow some of the stories inside of the bigger story. Um, but yeah, it's pretty interesting. And I, I, I didn't really know that at all. I thought he just like, liked watching friends when I was his roommate and I'm like, why are you watching this buddy? Like, what are we doing here? But, um, yeah, he's got little hobbies and little interests and that's one I don't think a lot of people know about, um, you know, that he's, he's, he's kind of into that. It takes up some of his time, I think, uh, looking into stuff and researching stuff and going and looking at things in his, in his free time that he's really, really into. It was kind of funny, right? During all-star break, didn't he go out to like, uh, Yellowstone and he was yeah, like, like Montana. He was like yeah. going, yeah, he's looking at like wolves and like nature and different things like that. And he was like, skating too. He was, yeah, I saw rocks. full gear, yeah. full gear on the outdoor rink. Yeah, yeah. who does that? Yeah. But yeah, I saw him doing that. That's he's it. just, he's a, yeah, that's him. That's him, man. I, I, Pierre, I try to stay out of his, out of his way now doing, you know, some color with the team this year and going on road trips. I sit quietly with my hands <laughs> on my lap in the corner in my seat that I'm told to sit in and I try not to talk to anybody and stay hidden and out of the way and not be uh, a distraction, I guess you could call it. But um, it's been really cool. The coolest thing about my job now and moving back to Pittsburgh, which I, I love Pittsburgh. Uh, it was mm-hmm. a no brainer for me to come back here. My wife loves, loved it when we were here. The people are amazing. It's easy to live here. It's so helpful and comforting. It just feels so good to be back here. But the best thing is, is being able to work Penguins games over the last several years. And my mm-hmm. first year back was the first of back-to-back cups. So talk about exciting to be wow. back in the city. Cause this is a major sports city and hockey city, but to be able to sit and watch Sidney Crosby <clears throat> either from the press box or wherever I'm sitting in the rink that night and watch him weave his magic um, is amazing. And Pierre, I'm sure you probably felt that way, you know, pinch you, you're watching Mario and a lot of the other players you had on those teams at the time. Um, <laughs> But for me, it's uh, it's it's been absolutely amazing. Every milestone, every guy he passes on the charts right now to be there and witness all the little things he does in his game and just appreciate how great he is as a player, uh, all around 200-foot player. And um, I think even more so because I know how much um, he puts into it, how much he cares, yeah. how much he's um, um, invested in every year to start like he he goes in every year like like i said this on a quote one time but he goes in every year like i think he's training for a league better than the nhl and he's (laughs) mentally preparing for something higher than what he's playing in and um i don't know that's probably the most amazing thing to me is the consistency of his play yes the little things in his play but the mental fortitude or mental preparation that he has through the grind of a season to do what he does, not just one year, not just, you know, skip a year, skip a week, whatever, like he's dialed right from start to finish. And it blows me away to see it. I mean, I think we can all agree guys. I mean, he he's having an MVP type season and if not for where where are the Pittsburgh Penguins right now without Sidney Cross, they're a lottery team. They are yeah. a lottery team. I mean, so they're near Columbus. Honestly, they'd be yeah. right near Columbus if they didn't have Sid right now. It's unreal that he's having this season at this age after everything he's been through. And I feel like and I'm glad you just said all that about him, Colby, because I feel like sometimes at the league in general, the media, the fans, we, we take them for granted a bit. And we don't yeah. we don't realize how lucky we are to have such a general generational player still going at that level. And you're seeing it right now. And I'm just like. Every time I watch him, I'm like, man, this guy is just, he's unreal. Yeah. I mean, he's now just, you know how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> he's on crazy. pace. 
He's on pace for his second most goals in his career. Um, like, you know what? what he's doing. He's willing his team right now. He's there every single night when they need physicality. He's in someone's face. He's rat- ratcheting it up. Um, you know, his face off prowess is next to none pretty much and consistently every single game. Yeah. Um, what he does defensively getting back, breaking up plays, you know, it just hockey sense through the roof. Uh, and then the plays that he makes, like I find it hilarious sitting up in the press box and he's making plays or seeing guys three layers back that like up in the press box, I'm like got the Eagle eye view and you don't even see it or think he can do it. And he threads it through to a guy that's coming in on the mm-hmm. backside through four, four layers yeah. of, of checking and bodies. It's just, it's just insane. Um, and I don't know, like everyone's like, when's he going to be done? What's he going to do? Like if with his preparation and the way he is, I think he could, I think it's pretty much up to him because um, yeah, he takes I such agree. a great care of himself and he's got all the tools and uh, he can play it any way you want it. Hey Colby, does Jake Gensel stay? Or does Jake Gensel go? Oh, that's the big question. Yeah, I, I think, I, I think, I think he's going to be gone. I, you asked me this two weeks ago, pre-injury. I might have thought, you know, I think I could see him sticking around and and knowing and seeing what Kyle Dubas has done in Toronto, how he keeps his guys and at even at the cost of everyone saying you got to trade one of these guys, you got to get rid of one of these guys. How are you going to mm-hmm. build? He keeps his guys, and I think. You know, Jake's one of those guys. He's one of those top echelon players in the league that I'd imagine you'd like to keep, but just with the trajectory of the team. And, you know, I think Kyle, without saying a lot, said a lot in his uh, press conference yeah, we about the like same. A, yeah. a week and a half ago and named the core four guys, which are, his, you know, the big three, Latang, Malkin, Crosby, and now Carlson in the mix and looking to get younger inside and around those guys. Um, you know, I thought that was, you know, saying a lot. Considering yeah. you've got a lot of other guys there and Rust and Gensel and Smith and, around them. Yeah, yeah. it was kind of like uh yeah, this is kind of the vision. So I I I I could see it happening. Yeah. I could see it happening within the next week here of 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 something and uh what that'll be, who, who only knows. I imagine a pretty good asking price because I think Jake Gensel's also one of the more underappreciated stars in the league. Uh superstar. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know. Superstar, like up there with those guys, but he's a definite star and, and he's brave. He's, he's, he's slimy on the wall. He gets through guys. Yeah. He can come out with pucks. Like he gets to hard areas. He's crafty and smart as hockey IQs through the ro- roof His 10 foot game, making those little pop passes, jumping around guys, uh, un- un- uncanny ability with his long stick to get shots off from wherever uh, a real knack and, and sense and nose for the net but touch around it as well. So he's like got a lot of threats in his bag um, at playmaking, you know, and, and production and ability, I think to play with a lot of different players, which makes Mm -hmm. him really, he's not like, Oh God, I got to play with Jake. Like, how does he play? Like he can, he'll figure it out. Don't worry. This kid's really smart and he he'll make plays too. He'll make plays with you. If you need a guy that's going to come in as a winger and everyone's talking about Edmonton, if you need a guy to come in and play with Leon, that, Leon slows it down, hangs on to pucks and kind of mm-hmm. opens those things. He'll find space and he'll dish too. And, you know, Gensel can play that kind of game really well. Plus he can finish. So um, I think, yeah, an untalked about star that, you know, scores goals like crazy at a consistent basis and is, you know, for his size, pretty durable out right now injured, but pretty durable for his size and what he does. Agreed. Sure. I, I would look guys too, like 
Philly, I want to talk about some other teams here too. And I, I imagine the people in Pittsburgh aren't too happy about the season Philly's having with what's yeah. going on in Pittsburgh. But what have you thought about them? I mean, you see them quite oh. often. What's What's been your take on Philly this year? Yeah, my brother's the uh, director of player development for them too. So oh, wow. I, I talked to him a little bit about their guys. But I got to say, I like what they've done. I like I like what they've, you know, turned into. They had guys there early, ready to go and uh, on the ice. Um, you know, they, there was talk in years past or last year maybe about the dressing room and, and the culture there and Torts had some issues. And, you know, they, they've seemed to have, you know, built a um, – you know, a kind of vibe in their room where everyone's playing for each other, like no other. And I, I don't think they're the most talented, like, like Travis Konechny, like embodies what they are just like an in your face, hard nose, um, never stop coming, um, never stop coming around, never not going to back down. Um, they hang around, like, look at them in every game. Like yeah. there's no, you look at them against certain matchups, like there's no way they're going to play against this team. And then you look at the end of the night, you know, they could be down three, one, then all of a sudden it's three, three, like yeah. they just don't go away. And they got a lot of guys that have done it. And I don't know if it was their plan coming into this year. I don't know necessarily if this is what they wanted to be like this, but um, you know, they've made it really interesting. And um, I think they've gotten a lot out of a lot of guys that otherwise maybe people wouldn't have thought twice about. Um, mm -hmm. And now in a pretty good position, if they want to stick to the plan that Torts talked about uh, a few weeks ago, um, in, in moving on from some guys and maybe it, you know, I don't know if it'll upset some fans who have other expectations with what this team has fought yeah. for this year, but, um, under Danny and, and torts in there and Jonesy and what they've been able to do, mm -hmm. um, with this group and, and what their future may look like moving forward and what they've gotten out of guys. Look at Owen Tippett too. Like he's just exploded oh. on the scene. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Forrester, I, he's, he's a guy that wins a ton of battles, not the fastest guy, but he's always there. He's does those little things, strong stick and it makes plays. He can score goals. So um, they've got a lot of, a lot of, a lot of uh, excitement, I think around their team in the next week, depending on uh, uh, what's going to happen. But it sounds like they're going to be moving on from some of their guys, from some of the rumors we're hearing with some of their defensemen and maybe a That's few forwards. I was going to ask. Yeah. So, I mean, you look at guys like um, Pierre, you chime on this too, please. I mean, you look at Sean Walker or, or Nick Sealer. I mean, guys like that. Mm -hmm. Pierre and I were just talking about D-men before you got on. Is the market now set for guys like that after TANF? Or, you know, is it is it still flexible in your eyes, Colby? Yeah, I think I think there's still flexibility. I mean, uh, someone was saying that they might get traded together to a team. That would be That's, pretty yeah, simple. I heard uh, Jeff Merritt talking about that. <laughs> yeah. A couple of yeah. <laughs> a package deal for a pairing. Yeah. They've been, they've been pretty good together. They've um, and who wouldn't want, you know, players like that in the depths of your decor or, or, or settle in oh, there. Yeah. Um, look like, good in Boston. I'll tell you that. I love what Sealers. Um, no, there's, there's only one guy I want to go to Boston. That's Noah Hannafin. If Hannafin yeah. goes to Boston, it changes the whole dynamic of the playoff. In the oh East yeah. The East yeah. That seems per, like a perfect fit. It does. Yeah. You know, it, well, Don, it, Donnie's chased after him since that draft. You know, he tried to trade up and then Carolina ended up getting him. So, I mean, this has kind of been his white whale, so to speak. <laughs> I think he, he's feeling really close right now. So we'll see. He's the best darn looking white whale I ever seen too. Guy's a good looking guy, eh, isn't he? Got the flow. <laughs> he's got the flow. He's got the looks. He's got legs. He can skate for days. This guy, Kobe, yeah, he's a pretty good player. That's Boston guys, you know, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, we'll, we'll go away from that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man.
No, but I mean, it's going to be interesting. Like a team like Philly, I think yeah. you're right. You know, like I think they have to stick with the plan guys. I think we discussed this a little before Pierre. You don't want to yeah. veer away just because of a surprising year, but I wonder, you know, from you guys playing and coaching Pierre, when they do make those trades, if they do, is that a huge letdown in that dress room after overachieving so much and getting to this point? And then like, Whoa, what the heck? I mean, what's that like? What's that element like in a dress room? Probably. Yeah. Pierre, what about for coaches in situations like that? Yeah. I I always wonder that what's going on behind that wall and that door over there. And what's the communication or communication goals in situations like that? I, I guess I would ask you that. Yeah, no, that's different. If you feel like you got assets at the trade deadline as a coaching staff, you feel good. Not one of the most painful trade deadlines I ever went through was uh, 1992 when we traded uh, Mark Recchi and Paul Coffey uh, to get Kenny Reggett and Shell Samuelson and Rick Tockett. At the end of it, I was really happy, you know, because we won the Stanley Cup. And Tockett and Samuelson and Reg played huge parts of that. Um, but Colby, when you think about, it, I can tell you the emotion that night when the what trade, a trade was that was. By the way, wow. that, <laughs> what that was that that trade? That was. I can tell you just because wow. of my relationship with Paul and Mark at the time, that was painful to go through. Yeah, you know, I was yeah. a young coach in the league. We had won the year before, and those guys were a huge part of our team. Uh, but the way we looked at our team, and this is where Craig Patrick was so smart. He looked at the team and said, you know what? We're just missing some nastiness. We're missing a little bit of robust play that we have to have. He wasn't in a rush to trade coffee, and he was not in a rush to trade recce. Yeah. You know, both guys ended up being Hall of Famers. Uh, and Talk's not going to get in the Hall of Fame as a player, and Shell's not going to get in as a Hall of Famer. Neither is Kenny Reagan. But I'll tell you right now, on an eye test kind of thing, those guys made – all three of those guys made a massive difference for our cup team in 92. Yeah. But that, if you were to ask me, Colby, of all my time in the league, you know, you get hired, you get fired, you win, you lose, you know, you get kicked when you're down, you get pumped up when you're on top. Probably the most emotional night was the night that that trade happened for me in my career. Yeah. It was really hard. It was really but guys, hard. What's it like when you're not getting players back? What if it's just picks and prospects? Oh, it That's what I'm like, how does the team feel then? Yeah. You yeah. Know? It- it's it's I think as players you're kind of going okay that's not bad like maybe I'll get more ice. <laughs> you got some there guys go. moving out and there might be some more opportunity but um you know I think certain teams are different like I think Pittsburgh's pretty unique right like they've had this great run they've got this core group of guys that right uh, have been superstars or are superstars and um you know what's the future going to look like um with some guys that are under contract that are going to be sticking around here and you know certain other guys Mm. that are kind of the robin to the batman moving maybe possibly moving out and i think those situations when you look at that like konechny couturier and philly for example um lawton guys that have been there a while that you know Mm -hmm. put everything into this season couturier just back from injury to start this year too and you know this is been a a great season like i think they've done a lot of great stuff and probably exceeded expectations no question but have probably built something inside that dressing room that you know they probably haven't had in their time as flyers and to to go okay you know what like well great year well we're sticking to the plan see you boys and there's certain guys getting shipped out of there that i i think as a player that's when it's you know that's when it's kind of tough in those situations like that and 
Yeah. You know, I know Calgary too, probably, right? You lose Tanev and you possibly Hannafin coming up as well. Yeah. There's talk of Markstrom and, and you're still not, you're, you're Kadri and you're Backstrom and, you know, or Backlund, sorry, and you're you're in Calgary going, okay, like, I just signed a long-term deal here. Like, yeah. what are we doing? What's yeah. it supposed to be like this? You know what, Colby, what was shocking to me, and I said it to Jimmy both on the air and the off the air, with Vancouver and Calgary and how tight they've been in terms of play over the years, I was shocked that Calgary traded two players to Vancouver yeah. all early. You know, like I was really, especially Elias Lindholm, I was, I was really shocked that they yeah, did they're, that. They're saying, I, I heard someone saying too for, you know, Gensel to, you know, uh, Edmonton, but I heard it to the Rangers. Someone, I heard someone say something about that too. And I'm like, that's like the same thing. Like yeah. you just don't see that too often. Like I, I like mm-hmm. you picture Gensel going out west, or you picture yeah. those guys from Calgary oh, instead of going to Vancouver coming yeah. out here somewhere out east. So, yeah, it's it's interesting seeing those types of moves, um, in kind of close coordinates to like you know who you're playing against a lot. And yeah, uh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, uh, Colby and Jimmy, if Frankie Vetrano ended up with the Rangers. You know, you talk about Gensel maybe going. Yeah, I think Vetrano's a similar yeah. type fit. He's already been part of that dressing room. I know mm-hmm. he was very popular with the players there in New York, and and he's one of those names. He's having a career year. He's had an um, Jimmy. We've talked about him right from yeah. the start. This kid's had an amazing, amazing. What a year. release! What a release he's got. And, and I think you know if the Rangers get him because of all the injuries they've had and everything else, he fits on that team. He fits on that team really well. Really well, well, a Boston guy. You want to talk about Greg Cronin, who coached me, assistant coach in Toronto. He's the head coach out in Anaheim now. And I had talked to him when we were out there, and he said, you know, Frankie Vetrano with his boss. I can't do a boss next. He's a pain. He, he, he goes, he's a hunter. He's a hunter. He just gets out there. He hunts. I just got to open the door. You got to let him go, and he's just a hunter. I don't got to worry about him. You know? We got to clip that. You got to massage a little bit. Some guys, you staying kind of, you know, as a coach, you got to massage certain guys. Yeah. How do they feel? And like, where are they doing? You know, it's a little harder for them to get involved in games. And it was funny how he brought Not it up true. and talked about him like that. So, yeah, he's a hunter. He's hungry. He plays yep. with a little bit of ferocity in him for a smaller player. He's always around it. He's pretty quick, too. Like, he's he darty fast. Uh, and then that shot. So I think he brings something, you know, he just, yeah. he, if it, if he's not going to score, he brings something too within his game. Uh, if it, if he's quiet for a few games, like those are the kind of guys I think that are, you know, big time guys that you can get that help like Blake Coleman to Tampa and some yeah. of these other guys mm-hmm. that can just play such big roles. Even if something isn't there, they have three other tools that they provide value to your team. Yep. For sure. And, and guys, going back just to some of these GMs having to make those deals and deal with the dressing room, I keep thinking of Kelly McCrimmon. And we had Kelly on here last week, and we <laughs> asked him. I mean, we didn't use the term ruthless, but he is ruthless because he's learned that you yeah. have to be that way in a salary cap world. And that's a guy right now that I'm really keeping an eye on. And I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if he's in on Gensel. Yeah, they're crazy, hey? I like, they like coaches, <laughs> players, it doesn't they'll, they'll matter. Like, grandmother. They don't <laughs> Hey, Kelly McCribbin, he's a hunter. He's always hunting. <laughs> I, I grew up with Crow, by the way, Colby, too. Oh, did you? Yeah. House. Yeah, he was like an older brother to me. We had him on here. He's, oh, yeah, he's he's great. Well, depending, right. how tall, well, Jimmy. depending how tall you are, he's like a little brother to you, too. <laughs> <laughs> Not to me. Jimmy, man. we got to let Colby go. Yeah. We've had him on we too long. 
Let them go. Thank you so much, Colby. You are right, such boys. a good man for coming on, Colby. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, we appreciate it, Dog. Yep. Love the background there. Keep it up, all right? <laughs> all right. Good luck with everything, boys. And uh, I guess uh, keep your ears to the ground. You, you hear anything over the next week. Big time in the NHL right now. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Colby Armstrong, join us here on the iTest on the SIP Podcast Network. He was great. I didn't even realize the clock there. Thanks, Pierre. Well, no, I feel bad because, you know, what? He, he does a lot. He's oh, yeah. a heavy lifter. Yeah. He never says no. He does a lot for charity in the community. Uh, he's not wrong about Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's a magnificent place. Um, yeah. I'm grateful for everything that's happened in my career, but the most grateful is to have spent as much time as I did in Pittsburgh. And to go back to Mario's thing, um, you know, almost every year is, is really yeah. cool. Really, I'll really tell you, cool. Colby's the type of guy I would, I would really want in a dressing room, especially one that had a chance at the cup because – he just keeps it light, Pierre. You know what I mean? He's he's very eloquent. He's very smart. He knows what he's talking about, but he has a way to keep it light. And I think that probably helped a lot of the teams he was on. I've had a fair number of dinners with him uh, over the years. And, yeah. and I think what you just described is perfect. Um, he knows, and I think his family knows. I, I wasn't a big fan of him being included in the trade for Hosa. And, you know, my best friend in hockey actually made that trade. And uh, we had a long talk about it, Ray Shiro. Uh, yeah. We had a long talk about it afterwards. Um, you know, I was not a big fan of it. Now, Pittsburgh didn't win the cup that year, uh, and Hosa eventually left, and Pittsburgh traded away a lot of guys, but they yep. won the next year, which was great yeah. for Ray and for the Penguins. Um, but, you know, I can just tell you it was – I wasn't a fan because I knew – one of the things that was really important, and you talked about relationships in the room, Jimmy, it's really important. And I wasn't, you know, like, messing around with Colby. I was calling it the way it is. His relationship with Sidney Crosby's impeccable. It's unbelievable. And, you know, when you have a star player that's got a relationship with another player in a team that, you know, he's comfortable and he trusts, yeah. you got to be really careful when you move guys out that mm. support and would do anything to help the star. You got to yeah. be really, really careful. And that's one of the reasons why I wasn't a big fan of that. Now, that being said, Mary Hosa and Pascal Dupuis were a heck of a return. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, it's a heck of a return for what they traded. But, you know, you look at it long term, they got their cup in 09. Um, and a big part of that obviously was Sid and and Mary Mar was on the Detroit team that lost, which was amazing. You know, he goes from Pittsburgh to Detroit. Um, so all those guys got traded away for nothing, but eventually they won the cup. I hear you. Well, not to change the subject too much, but I do want to get in our this day in NHL history yes. from Bob Borgen. And, you know, the name Tippett came up earlier in that conversation yes. here, talking about the Flyers. And Pierre, on this day in 1984, the Hartford Whalers signed Dave Tippett as a free agent following his play with the Canadian Olympic team. Do you remember that? I do. Um, I was playing in Europe when that actually happened. Mm -hmm. um, and I was about to sign with New Jersey, if I remember. Yeah, that was 84. Yeah, so right in there. And what I remember the most about Dave Tippett was he was a great Canadian Olympian. He was a really good player at North Dakota. He's yeah. a really, he's a really, really good player at North Dakota when Dakota had a wagon and Gino yep. Gasparini was a coach. Um, but they, Dave Tippett was a hell of a college player. And he obviously he was an elite shutdown uh, defensive player in the NHL. He really was. Yeah. I mean, I just remember when we've spoke a couple of times about Kevin Deneen recently, you know, those whole teams there, Dave Babbage, all those guys and the Whalers. 
They, they had some good yeah, teams. Mike, Mike Liu, don't forget like Mike Liu because I heard yep. he was huh? a really good goalie there. You go down and look at the roster of some of those teams. Joel wow. Quenville was on those teams. I mean, you start looking at the roster. Ray Ferraro was it's on just, those teams. You, Ronnie Francis. I mean, yep. you, Paul McDermott. You start looking at the roster of the Hartford Whalers back then. Emil Francis did a phenomenal job yeah. as a GM there. He did. Yep. Emil Francis did a great job there. And, you know, I, I, we were just talking about all those places in Saskatchewan I used to go to. Emil was from North Battleford, Saskatchewan. And when I ended up working for Hartford and coaching the team, um, Emil and I would talk endlessly about our times in Saskatchewan. Oh, wow. Obviously, he was at a different <laughs> time than I was, but yep. you know, and we talk about different players and different towns and different rinks. And I had so much respect for Mr. Francis. I remember my first ever head coach uh, win was in the old Miami Arena in Florida, uh -huh. and Amo was the president of the team, and he was traveling with us, and I. I, he came in and jumped in my arms and hugged me I so think hard. I remember you telling me this, yeah. And, and I thought like he broke one of my ribs. <laughs> like, oh, that would have been classic. It was, it was just, it was awesome. It was, yeah. um, you know, one of those things. And, you know, Emil was just a legendary person in the sport and really earned every single merit that was ever said about him. He's a fantastic human being. Fantastic. Yeah, I never had the pleasure of meeting him, but I, I always heard good things from Russ Conway about him. Yeah. Pierre, let's open it up to some questions here. Sure. Go ahead. All right, let's do it. Chris Davis, what would the Hall of Gensel deal look like? Thought Konechny was going to get the C in Philly. Um, I think Konechny would have been a good C as well. Um, yeah, that's like the guy that got it. Like well. You, you can't, can't go not wrong. I mean, it, yeah. that's fine. And I don't think Konechny will be bothered by that. You know, when you no, look at the longevity of it, Katuri has been there longer. Um, and I think they read their room really well. I think they trust John and Tortorella, and they obviously – Danny and Keith got a pretty good finger on the pulse there right now. Um, in terms of what Gensel could bring, I, I think you're looking at a first-round pick. The problem is is that he's not signed, so you may not get as much. But I think it all starts with a first-round pick, and you go forward from there. So, um, it depends if somebody – you know, once you trade for the player, you can sign him. Yeah. And so, you know – that could be something that factors into the deal too. Pierre, and the other thing too, I'll, I just want to put it out there. I, I've only seen it one place. ESPN today was reporting that Dubas wanted two first round picks for Gensel. I can't well, see him. Can't, it, it doesn't hurt you asking. It can't so hurt to ask, right? Yeah. I don't. I don't blame He's Kyle just for setting the bar high. That's all. Yeah, but I think you have to. Yeah. Um, but I would say it starts with a first round pick, and I would say, you know, I if I were a Pittsburgh grade a prospect. I'd want an A-plus prospect, 100%. Yeah. I want to help that body, too, Pierre. They need bodies. Yeah. I mean, look at what they're doing now in Wilkes-Barre, just being playoff relevant is amazing when you look at the prospect pool the Penguins have. And this is not on Kyle Dubas. Uh, he inherited this situation. So, yeah. But, you know, you got to give them time to build up the prospect pool. But their prospect pool is not real deep. I can just tell you right now, it's just not. So no. the fact that we have playoff relevant in Wilkes-Barre – is a tribute to the coaching staff there and some of the leadership there that's going on. Yeah, and I'm just looking, Pierre, I mentioned how I think Vegas would be a good fit, and it wouldn't surprise me if, if McCrimmon gets in there. I look at some of the depth guys they have. They might be willing to park with them. We're not gonna, I'm not going to throw names out there. I'm just looking yeah. at the depth oh. they have. 
Yeah, don't throw names out there. That's not fair. It's not fair. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But um, they hate. They've got depth that they could afford to throw a body into that deal. So, oh no, they do. And you you talked about it correctly. So with Colby, the truth is, is that they're ruthless. Yeah, they just are, and they want to win. Look at Riley Smith. Do you think they don't like Riley Smith as a player in, in Vegas? They liked Riley Smith a yeah, ton. They loved but him. they chose they chose Jonathan Marcheseau over Riley Smith. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Based on the numbers this year, they were right. Oh, they were and right. Everybody based, else was wrong. Based on last everybody, year, too. Yeah, yeah they were right, and everybody else was wrong that was saying, no, no, you got to keep Smith. You know, and tell me Barbashev doesn't make a difference there. Barbashev yeah. makes a huge difference there. Huge. Where they got fortunate and they got really fortunate, St. Louis not signing Ox Petrangelo. That's where they got that's, really, really, really yeah. fortunate. Really fortunate. All right, let's go to the next question. Ogie Oglethorpe, are you all buying the rumors of Brady Kachuk being traded? Well, Steve Stales came out yesterday, in case you hadn't seen Ogie, um, and flat out said that's not happening. It's complete fabrication. So he's not getting traded. Look at if Montreal had a do-over in that draft, mm-hmm. they would have taken Brady Kachuk. They oh, took yeah. Esprit Cook in the Emmy. But they would have taken Brady Kachuk, and some of us said it at the time. So it's not revisionist history. Yeah. Um, no, Brady's not going anywhere. Um, exactly. that's and just, by the way, tough news on Norris out of there today, too. Looks well, like I broke my good. heart. If you watched yeah, it, it's an innocuous collision in Nashville yeah. behind the net. You know, Josh is one of my favorite guys just because I had yeah, a chance to work with him. And, and uh, you know, he's part of the Carlson trade. It was a good pickup by the Senators at the time. Most people thought Josh would be a third-line center in the league. He ended up being a first or second-line center in the league, depending yeah. on the night. And with Stutzler there, obviously. Um, but that shoulder is not good. And and he's had numerous problems with the mm-hmm. shoulder. I'm just wishing him the best. As soon as we're off here, by the way, I'm texting him because I yeah, I yeah. saw that. I, saw I wanted to get him. We came on. Yeah, yeah. It just broke. It broke my heart when I saw the play. And yeah, you know, you see him leaving the ice. You're like, because these are kids. He's a yeah. kid. He's just you know, starting out. He's it, just exactly. Starting out. And that's that's what I was going to get up here. It's it's you know trying to get that traction in the beginning of your career when you have such high expectations, and then this yeah. keeps happening. We've seen it happen so many times, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, next question. Trey wants to know, is Noah Hannafin coming to Boston? Both of your answers, please. I'm going to well, say I, yes. You're going to say yes? I know you're going to say yes. <laughs> I'm going to say I hope. Yeah. I don't cheer for anybody. But I'm no. telling you, if there's a fit, if there's a fit in the league, one yeah. player, one team, and there's lots of players that fit, but the best fit, Hannafin and Boston. Yeah, it just seems like they were made to be. It's you the know? best fit. Yeah. Now, does it happen? I don't know. I don't know what Donnie wants to pay. I don't know what Sweeney wants to pay to get the player. Exactly. Um, but I think I, I, I'm prepared to say this to the gentleman that asked the question. I think if Noah Hannafin ends up in Boston, it changes the whole dynamic of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Yep. Just yep. Just like you said, I know. And look, I mean, then they get Lindholm back too on That's top what of that. I'm saying, like, all right, next question. Evan McLaren, what do you think about Grishnikov? What's his ceiling? Um, He's going to be a shutdown player. He's not going to get points. I wouldn't take him in a fantasy draft. Um, But he can skate. He can be robust. He's had a real nice year down in Texas, um, Dallas's farm team. 
I would say probably a top four guy, more like a three, four than a one, two, mm-hmm. uh, but definitely somebody that can play it uh, on the penalty kill, play it in a matchup situation. Just not going to get you a ton of points, but I, I think that's his ceiling, which is good. That's yeah, it, it's really good. That's I mean, is, do I think he's better than Chris Tanev? Probably not. I don't, but we don't know yet. He's, a, yeah. he's 20 years old. He turns 21 this month, March. Well, when March comes, he turns 21 in March. All right. Next question. Hookie, Montreal should have drafted Quinn Hughes, not Kachuk. Oh, no. No, come on. <laughs> no, come on. Okay. So everybody's entitled to their opinion. Ask any GM in the league. Power forward or undersized defenseman that gets points. Yeah, in a, in the first round of a draft. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And look, that's not take anything away from what Hughes is doing. No, right now. what look, he's going to continue I'm, to do. I, I think the world of Quinn Hughes, like the yep. whole family. Yeah, yeah. forever. I had the type player. Hey, Jimmy, Jimmy. I had the Hughes's mother at hockey camp in Boston oh, when she was a young lady. Yep. My brother Ryan played with her brother at Bowdoin College. Like I've known the family forever. Um, yeah. These are good people. Like I think the world of their kids. That yeah. being said, you're asking me, do you, okay, here's what we should ask the questioner. Do you think uh, Ottawa would do a one for one? Could Chuck for Hughes? No, no. Well, I don't know. I want to pin past Ottawa. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, no, no, no. I know. I'm kidding. No, they would not. No, they would not. But yeah, no, I, I mean, he's Brady Kachuk to me is like a unicorn here in terms of the player, you know, like we, we talk about these players, we say power forward all the time, but how many of these players actually live up to that? Well, he, that he table? is, he is that. So you got you know? him, obviously you got Sam Bennett down in Florida, just thinking of big guys that play big. You got mm-hmm. Svechnikov down in Carolina, who's big yep. and plays big, you know, Ovechkin in his prime was big and played real big. You know, Dustin Brown didn't have the offensive numbers, but, when he was in his prime, oh. Dustin Brown was the most ferocious forechecker in the NHL when he was in LA. And that was a big reason why they won those two cups. He was Dustin was tremendous. So ask coaches like, do you want a slick puck moving defenseman? Or do you want a guy that's a hammer every night that can drive the other team nuts? Yep. Most teams want the hammer that can drive everybody nuts. And you can still go and get that defenseman as well if you if you're good scouting. Yeah, I mean, look at I'm not saying Lane Hudson's better than Quinn Hughes because he's not, but Lane Hudson's going to run a heck of a power play in Montreal. Yep, he is. And he's going to run a heck of a power play. Yes, yep. that's what he's going to do. All right, next question. All right, this is it for our yeah. questions. Jimmy and Pierre, thoughts on the TANF deal? Apologies if you brought this up. Joined a little late. We did a little, but we'll, we'll talk about it to close the show mm-hmm. out here. I don't think you need to apologize. We just love the fact that people want to talk hockey. So exactly. I think that's awesome. And by Chris, the way, Chris, you. I know Chris. He's a great guy too. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Thank you for the note uh, and the questions. Um, well, I think the biggest thing is it changes the dynamic for Dallas. So now Haskin and Camus over to the left side. I got to think that'll be the partnership. Mm-hmm. Harley will move down one. Um, who they decide to play Harley. Harley's had a tremendous year, by the way. He really has. Get out of Syracuse, New York that – chose to go play major junior rather than go to college. And he's had – he's a legit big-time offensive point-producing defenseman that can play in a shutdown role too. He's a really good player. So I think it just adds depth to Dallas. Uh, Pete's a really good coach, DeBoer. 
I think short term, it's a huge deal for Dallas. I think mm -hmm. it changes the dynamic in the playoff hunt. So, you know. Yeah. And I, look, I know Conroy's getting smoked right now in the media and fans. Oh, that's got. We don't know what that's going to be, guys. I mean, give it You time. don't know what the second round pick's going to be, Jimmy, number one. Number two yeah. is, you know, Grishnikov, I think, is going to be a guy that's going to be able to play in your top four. Now, is he going to be a one, two? In my, I don't think so at this point. No. I don't. No. I just don't think so. But, but he's he's good. I mean, he's he's had a tremendous year in the American League. He really has. Yeah. And the other thing too, Pierre, I want to know. I wanted to ask you about this too. Just thinking of Tanoff, we know the injuries he's had this year along the way while they've been trying to trade yeah. him. Do you think? I mean, are we going to starting like tonight, tomorrow? Are we going to see GMs maybe rest some guys? I don't. I feel like we don't see that before as much the deadline. Anymore. Before the deadline. Yeah. Yeah, you might see some guys get sat out. I know you talked to me today earlier about Eric Johnson. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. Jimmy can probably share it better than I can. You know, I asked, I was driving um, when Jimmy brought that up to me and we were going over different numbers. And I'm not an analytics guy, but I gave Jimmy some rudimentary things that people my age look at when it comes to evaluating players. Yeah. And Jimmy can tell you the rest. Like I didn't, I didn't have any notes. So. Yeah, well, we're looking at cumulative uh, plus minus, and you know we're looking at defensemen, guys. A lot of defensemen are going to be free agents. That was what kind of what we were honing in on, and we look at playoff minutes, what they have there, and you know it kind of helps you narrow it out here, like every, the way we did it there. And like a guy like Eric Johnson, yeah, he might be at the tail end, but he's still going to be a dependable guy that can help a contender in their bottom, you know, in their bottom pairing for sure. Yeah. When they won the cup in Colorado, he was playing 17 minutes a game in the playoffs. Now it's a few years later, he's playing 14 minutes a game during the regular season in Buffalo. So it kind of shows you the sliding scale. It doesn't mean that Eric can't play. Eric can then, play. Yeah. And then you match that up with the potential. What would the return be in terms of a pick? Exactly. A, a first exactly. rounder, a second rounder. So if you've got a guy that's playing up to 20 minutes a game, and he's on the market, then yeah, you're probably looking at a first rounder. But if you're looking at other guys that are kind of in the middle, you know, we brought up the, uh, Savard earlier in the show, guys like that, or Joel Edmondson, who, yes, they're still valuable, but they're not playing what they were a few years ago. So that's going to diminish the return a bit. Uh, and, you know, obviously we know the GMs are going to look at the analytics as well, but this is a an eye test way that Pierre was t teaching me today of how to kind of project a return uh, for some of these free agent defensemen. Yeah, and I think it's well, it worked for a lot of years. <laughs> yeah, did all right in Pittsburgh, my friend. For <laughs> a lot of years. Anyways. I hear you. Well, listen, we want to thank Colby Armstrong for joining us. Uh, the arm dog, man, he was great. He was great. You can see Fantastic. why I said, uh, gentlemen, so dear gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thank you to him for coming on. Thanks to our production crew. Thanks to Bob Borgen for this date in the NHL. He's got some good ones too. I'm gonna. I'm Bob gonna is awesome. You know, I couldn't believe it when he started sending me that stuff. He said, "This is yeah, great. yeah, it's Thanks, really Bobby. good." To have. And Bobby yeah. watches and thanks a lot, Bob. Really makes a big difference. We appreciate thank it you. for sure. Uh, and, and thanks to all of you out there for your questions and for your comments. We appreciate it. Uh, tomorrow we're back on On Campus Friday. We've got a great guest, Pierre. You want to line it up? Yeah, Rand Pecknell. I'm actually going to be. Watching two games tomorrow. I'm going to be watching a women's game. It was the start of the women's playoffs. And then uh, I'll be watching the last week and the regular season for the men at the college level. 
Um, but I'll be doing the show with you, Rand Pecknall, the Division One uh, defending stand or defending champs from Quinnipiac. I almost call him Stanley Cup because I think someday Rand will coach in the he NHL could. and will compete for a Stanley Cup. Um, but yeah, no, we'll be doing that. So I'll be on campus. You know, one more thank you, Jimmy. Yes, I'm at my mom's house in Montreal, and oh, she's a big Sally fan of yours. So I'm actually doing this show from her house. So I want I to thank it. my mom for letting me utilize her home. God bless. And she knows her hockey. For those does out she there, ever. she knows her hockey. I love Trust it. I love it. She does. If she didn't like I something guess. I said, she'd give it to me pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's honest. She's blunt. You got to be. Got to be like Kelly McCrimmon, Pierre. <laughs> She's got a little Kelly in her for sure. <laughs> you tell Sally we said thank you, and you guys have a wonderful night. Enjoying that yeah. dinner. And yep. to everyone out there, enjoy the hockey. Lots of big matchups. Check it out around the NHL tonight. I'm Jimmy Murphy. He's Pierre Maguire. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the Eye Test on the Sick Podcast Network. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Eye Test with Pierre Maguire and Jimmy Murphy on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.